Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you today. Shauna Husson is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out her first appearance on Boundless Body Radio on episode 183 of our show. Shanna earned her dietetics degree from the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point in 1999 and has now worked in the medical nutrition field for over 20 years. While very active through her entire lifetime, she struggled with weight gain in college, despite following conventional nutrition recommendations and exercising extensively. Eventually, Shanna discovered her, the hormonal connections that led to her weight gain. She is the author of Fast to Heal, a five-step guide to achieving nutritional peace and reversing insulin resistance. Shanna now serves those wanting to learn her teachings with books, digital products, personalized virtual visits, group coaching, Facebook support groups, the Fast to Heal Stories podcast, and her popular online signature course, Finding Nutritional Peace. Shanna and her husband have three awesome children and live in Wisconsin. Shanna Husson, what an honor it is to welcome you back to Balanced Body Radio. Thanks. And what an introduction that was. What a mouthful, huh? <laughs> it is a mouthful. You've done a lot of cool things. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great to be back and it's always fun to speak with you. So thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Such an honor to host you again. It's very fun to talk with you. I know that every time that we get on the line and talk to each other, we're going to have something new to talk about. You've been really busy. What's been going on in the last you know, eight months since we talked last? <laughs> I know. And as I told you before we started recording, my husband tells me I, I need to just stop sometimes. I <laughs> just stop and <laughs> and hang out with what you have. So yeah, um, within the last year, so when I first started kind of coming into the online space, I published my book, Fast to Heal, and I started with some group challenges. And um that progressed into some personalized visits and some package visits. Um, but this last year I've really been building my online courses because what I found was I was teaching the same things over and over from client to client and student to student. And so I thought, you know what, how about I just record this and, you know, put it into an online course, you know, and now I have a couple of them. Um, I have three, what, three going on four. Um, but that gives people the, they can do it on their own time, um, made it a little bit easier for them, a little bit, um, easier on me because then I know that they are learning exactly what they need to learn. I'm not forgetting anything. Um, and then we have some follow-up after they go through the program. So the last year has really been building those online courses. Um, my highest level course, finding nutritional peace, which you mentioned, that's, the kind of McDaddy of my courses where it's just a brain dump of basically everything I know to get people healthy and well. And I really focus on reversing insulin resistance through timed eating and therapeutic carb restriction and also getting some fasting into people's lives on a daily basis. Um, and then after I developed finding nutritional peace, what I was finding is I also have some support groups that I work with. Some are free and some are part of my online programs. But what I was finding is I like to ask people as they come into the support groups, you know, what are you really struggling with? What can I help you with? And I would say probably eight out of 10 people were, were saying when it comes to intermittent fasting, what I'm struggling with is the eating window. <laughs> like I, 
I have adapted to fasting. My body has adapted to that. I can do intermittent fasting now, no problem. I truly just am struggling with knowing what to eat, number one, in the eating window. Number two, I can't seem to get away from cravings. And number three, I am binging at least some of the days. So I don't know what to do. You know, I, I listen to what, what you're saying, but, you know, can you help me with those three issues? So that's where I developed the second course called Mealtime Mastery, which really, it's it's not as big as Finding Nutritional Peace, but it really just niches down to that one issue people have with addressing the eating window. Um, and I know you've talked about intermittent fasting on this podcast before. Maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself in that regard, but really keen in on the nutritional component. Um, and I think a lot in a lot of circumstances and a lot of books that revolve around fasting, um, you know, people can learn how to fast and why it's important and how it helps reverse a lot of health issues. But the nutritional component is sometimes lacking and they're really just left not knowing how to balance things properly so that they can have an easier time fasting and how to, if women are menstruating, like how to work that in. Um, so there's a lot of little nuances with not only just men and women, but from day to day that we touch on in mealtime mastery and really just keen in on those nutritional components. So I just released that course in January and I know we're going to touch on that more and, and really explore that. But then along with that in February of this year, 2022, um, I've wanted my own recipe book for years. Like, I don't even remember the last time that I didn't want my own recipe book. And, you know, I've been putting weekly recipes out for a really long time and, um, kind of spotlighting some in my social media and in my weekly newsletter that I offer, but I never had them compiled in one place where people could just go and find everything and, and they were all organized. So that was kind of my last big project that was out in February. So I tried to release Mealtime Mastery and the recipe book really near to each other and get those projects finished at the same time. So people could go through Mealtime Mastery, but then have some sort of resource, um, for meal planning and guidance with nutrition, because I know meal planning can be a huge challenge for a lot of people. So that's where the recipe book came in. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm always, I wish I could turn this brain off sometimes <laughs> and just say, okay, enough's enough, let's <laughs> stop. But you know, it's just like you, you ask people what they need and they respond. So you want to build a resource for them. So that's what I have been doing. Shannon <laughs> didn't just write fast to heal and then right off in the sunset, collecting her royalties <laughs> for the rest of her life. Well, I should have. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Wow. That's amazing. I really do love and appreciate the online courses. I think, especially since the pandemic, I can think back on several, you know, nutrition certifications that I've added in the last two or three years. You know, the financial course that I did that talked all about like how to invest the um, travel course about how to find deals 
traveling, the marketing course that I did, the, the online account, like I've done several and it's a really fun way to learn. And if you have that discipline, you can just pace through it a little by little every single day and get through a lot of content. I think that's an absolutely wonderful way to present that information to people. And so I definitely want to deep dive into some of your newer programs and, and what they entail. Um, before we do, just in case for people who don't know you, who haven't listened to the original episode, which I definitely recommend that the listener go back and listen to, can you tell us briefly about your history? You've been in the health game for a very long time. You know, I, I think we all understand the day that we heard about fasting and somebody did it and it, it, it was beneficial to them. And we were all like, what are you talking about? That's insane. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey through health and how you ended up finding fasting as an incredible tool to help? Yeah. And I was definitely one of those people who thought fasting was crazy. And, um, I couldn't even imagine skipping one meal, let alone going days without eating. So I, I definitely had a lot of skepticism around it, but I've been, I'm a registered dietitian and I've been conventionally trained in the medic, in the conventional system. And I have been in the field for 22 years, so I'm no rookie, but I've, I've worked in a lot of different aspects, um, mostly in conventional, in the conventional health system. And about 15 years into my career, I started having more um, digestive issues and health issues, and it was getting more difficult to manage my weight. Um, and then my son went through some pretty, very severe health issues as well. And I just started to think, you know, if, if what I'm teaching is correct and sound, why are people continuing to get sicker? You know, why aren't they healing? Why do, even if I have clients and students who are losing weight and feeling better, it's only for a short period of time. And, you know, what am I missing here? And so I started to look a lot more into the holistic approaches and natural approaches, natural nutrition or um, real nutrition, um, holistic nutrition. And I left the conventional system um, about five or six years ago, I believe it was, and um, just started to pursue more holistic approaches and really using natural nutrition for healing. <clears throat> and I am a podcast junkie and I listen to a ton of podcasts and learn a lot from a lot of really awesome people through podcasts. Um, but yeah, intermittent fasting was being talked about a lot. And it was about 2018, that 2017, actually, that I really started to hear that come up. And I always dismissed it and just thought, hmm. I, I, I can't see how this is helpful because I've been traditionally trained. Like you eat as soon as you get up in the morning, you eat several times throughout the day. You eat a lot of carbohydrate. They should be 50% of what you take in 50 to 60%. And I had been so indoctrinated for so long that it took me a long time to open my mind. And I just kept hearing it more and more. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to try it on my myself, you know, I'm just going to go to like eight or nine in the morning, which was just a stretch for me. Like I would get up and eat like 5am, sometimes 6am, depending on when I was exercising. Um, so it was hard for me to even go, go to mid morning without eating, <clears throat> but I found almost immediately my own health issues started to improve. I had way less bloating. Um, I just felt better energy wise. Um, my canker sores in my mouth that I had been plagued with for 10 years started to clear up. I, I 
like I said, I had more energy, my skin looked better. Um, and then I started to modify my diet a lot too. I really started to pull carbs out and grains out and things that I kind of put a, a and B together and, um, really modified that as well. And then 2018 was when I started intermittent fasting on my own. And then 2019 is where, and I started to teach other people about it. Um, and I had left the conventional system, but was kind of back on my own doing online teaching in 2019. Um, and then I, I tried fasting and therapeutic carb restriction uh, or carb reduction on a very small subset of people. They did really well. And then I started putting together some handouts and some, some other resources for them. And I thought, well, this is silly. Like, why don't I just read a, write a book on it? <laughs> why wouldn't you, <laughs> why don't I just write my own book and integrate my story with it? And then by that point, I want, I knew I wanted a system for people to follow and steps for people to follow. So that's where, um, the subtitle of my book is finding nutritional peace and the piece is an acronym for a five-step process that I know we talked about at the first podcast, um, but just integrating that approach. And it's crazy how well people have done over the last couple of years since I've been implementing pretty much the exact opposite of what I used to teach. Wow. <laughs> it's been really awesome. I wish I could go back in time and reteach what I what I used to teach, but you know, we can only move forward and, and go from here. Yeah. I was going to say in a way you are, I mean, we're learning all of this stuff as we go, we're flying the plane before it's fully built and just kind of sorting things out as we go. And I think that's a wonderful example of really like, once you know the truth, you can't, you can't forget it. You can't unsee what you're seeing with your clients and that desire to just like share with everybody. It's, it's nearly incontrollable. Like everything. I remember everything I was taught as a nutrition coach and personal trainer and all these things. And just they, they straight up just didn't work. Like whether people did them or not was the big thing. Like most people couldn't pull it off. And even if they did perfectly, it was really debatable whether they would see the results they wanted anyway. And once you start to see that there's a different way and people can lose weight like really easily and effectively and feel really good and then clear up like 10 other issues right. that they didn't even think had anything to do with the diet to begin with. It's, it's really, it, it's, it's so empowering and you can't, you can't unsee that. You can't not want to go out in the world and share that with anybody who would love to hear the mission mission. And, and, you know, those types of results we get from fasting, I, I, you mentioned a few things, but I wondered if you could go in a little a bit more detail. Why is fasting such a powerful and potent tool for people to utilize in their lives? Yes. And I just have to say, you know, a lot of people set out to start intermittent fasting for weight loss or change in body composition. And then they're like, oh my goodness, all of these other things are clearing up. And I just saw a follow-up client yesterday who I hadn't seen in seven months. And I thought she had fallen off the rails and I was like, oh, we're probably going to have to start all over again. And we get in our meeting and she's happy. She looks great. And she, we start talking. She's an older lady in her sixties and her top goals were she had a bunch of skin rashes and skin issues, joint pain, and then working on weight loss. And she wanted to come off all her medications. And we went through our session and she had come off all her medications in that seven months. I asked her about her skin rashes. She's like, they're gone. <laughs> they're completely gone. And she sent me before and after pictures. And I literally cried because her hands 
were basically peeling apart, like open cracks, peeling everywhere, skin issues on her legs and her feet and completely healed. So no medications healed those skin rashes. And then the joint pain was gone unless she went back to eating a lot of sugar and a lot of carbohydrate. She's like, I ate a lemon bar and it felt like my joints were on fire. (laughs) It's like, so for me, I know if I do this, I feel this. And she's still working on the weight thing. You know, a lot of times the body has a priority sequence where it will really heal what it needs to heal. And that weight comes later. But yeah, people have no idea how, how fasting is going to help. So it really works on insulin resistance and, um, insulin resistance is at the base at the root cause of so many lifestyle issues and so many issues in general. So most obesity will stem from insulin resistance, all type two diabetes and prediabetes stem from insulin resistance. Most fatty liver will stem from that. A lot of heart disease, all of these lifestyle issues that plague people that they are told are going to be progressive and lifelong are reversible and they're reversible pretty quickly. It's, it's really amazing. You just have to have the correct concepts. So why intermittent fasting is so powerful is that it really works at the level of hormonal levels and healing hormone imbalances and healing that insulin resistance. So you're basically letting your body become a lot more insulin sensitive, how it was supposed to be. So that when you do eat food, you can handle it differently. You're metabolically flexible where you can burn fat or you can burn glucose or, you know, whatever it is, we're kind of, I'm kind of simplifying it here, but, but basically you're working on the hormonal level that is at the root cause of obesity and weight issues and weight cycling and lifestyle issues. Whereas most in the conventional system, we're just medicating and putting band-aids on symptoms. We're not actually reversing things. We're just saying, let's pop this pill. Let's give you more insulin. Let's give you this medication. Um, And then you get more side effects and then you're adding more medications and you're never fixing what is causing the issues in the first place. So that's why intermittent fasting just truly helps to, to go to the root cause of why you're so ill and it's super powerful and it costs nothing and simplifies your life. And you really just, it changes your whole relationship with food in almost all cases, it's going to change your relationship with food. So for me, like I talked about how now I don't think about my weight anymore. I, it just, manages itself. I've had a lot of digestive issues clear up, um, no more bloating. And a lot of that is, is through therapeutic, um, changes in nutrition as well. Um, but I've really healed those underlying issues and I'm healthier in my forties than I was in my twenties and thirties. And so a lot of times people say, well, I'm getting old, you know, I'm just getting older. It's, it's, it's that that's the issue. And no, it's like, like I said, my client yesterday that was in her sixties and, um, 
she is healthier now than she was a couple of years ago before she started seeing me. So it can do some really amazing things, but uh, yeah, it's simple. It's free. You just need to know, you know, you need to implement it healthfully and correctly and, um, you know, have a support system too, but yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, some of those anecdotes you mentioned, I think the first, you know, five or 10 times you hear about something like that is like my canker sores went away. Like, that's great, but you know, that's coincidence or something else happened or, you know, being able to tan, you can go in the sun and never get a burn where you always used to burn. And now I never burn anymore. Or, you know, the, the, the food freedom, I think you mentioned like being able to, to even fathom, I look back at my past to even fathom, like being around carbohydrates in any amount, like I would have eaten them because they were there and they smell good and whatever. Now I could swim in a, you know, swimming pool full of soda and, and not <laughs> want any of it. And I don't think a lot of people appreciate how wonderful that food freedom is. And you you and I talked about that last time, really being able to be around food, but to be able to pick and choose what you want based on how you're going to feel is so critical. Yeah. And I think I was circling back to that point. I never got back to it, but yeah, the food freedom is the biggest thing that, that I have found in my own life. I have never had that before the last couple of years. So People may have looked at me and said, oh, well, she's thin, she's healthy. But I was thinking about food all the time. I was thinking about food from the time I got up in the morning until I went to bed. And even though I was eating healthy food, most of the time, I was still thinking about food. When I would go and run errands, I would think about how I would need to take snacks. I would think about what time was I going to be home because am I going to have enough food or, you know, am I going to be home at this time of the day? Because I'm going to be hungry then. (laughs) And, you know, and my whole life just revolved around that. Whereas now it's like, I eat two meals a day is usually the most that I eat. Sometimes one, sometimes I'll eat very rarely. I'll eat three meals. And it's not because I don't like, like, I won't allow myself. It's just, I'm not hungry for them. Like if I happen to eat earlier in the day, I usually still, you know, by mid afternoon, I'm ready to be done eating. Um, and I never had that intuitive eating inside where I could really say, I, I haven't thought about food in six hours. Like I, that was not a part of my lifestyle. Um, and so I struggle with, with the concept of intuitive eating for a lot of people because I, everybody wants to be an intuitive eater, right. And be able to say, well, I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I fall. I don't eat. I don't think about food in between. And I think that a lot of people can be very, um, very great intuitive eaters and very successful intuitive eaters. If they have a hormonal system and a metabolic system and metabolic flexibility that allows them to do that and a, and a healthy insulin level, But if your hormones are whacked out and your insulin's high all the time and your body is always hungry because insulin is high, you cannot trust yourself as an intuitive eater. Um, You know, you have people who are 300, 400 pounds and they're hungry all the time because they have severe insulin resistance and high insulin levels. You can't tell me that they should be eating all the time Um, as, you know, intuitively if they're, if they're feeling hungry because they have you know, maybe 200, 300 pounds of extra body fat that their body can tap into. They're just not. Um, so that whole concept of intuitive eating can be really tricky. Um, but yes, the food freedom that comes with intermittent fasting and, and 
getting gaining that metabolic flexibility is incredible, but it takes a while to get there sometimes. Yeah, that's such a great point about intuitive eating. And I, I think I agree with you. I, I almost think of it the same way I think of the calories in, calories out model of health and fitness. And I'm not ready at this point to say that that doesn't matter because I do think that it matters, but I also think to tell somebody that it's not helpful. It doesn't do anything to tell somebody calories in calories out, because then they're just going to think that they can go jump on a treadmill and burn 500 calories and eat kale salad all day and eat 500 calories less. And that's going to be good for their health. I kind of think of intuitive eating the same way. Like, yeah, you probably could eat really intuitively if you, you know, ate seasonally with food that was available at the time based on your location. But in this world that we've created where the soda store is half a mile down the street, it's open most of the day. I can go grab buckets of soda and have it with sugar cookies all the time. Like good luck intuitive eating. Like your body is going to tell you to go get that, those foods because they were exceedingly rare in the past. And so we, we've kind of hijacked the system and now intuitive eating doesn't seem to be very helpful. Right. And, and for most people, it's not. And a lot of times, if, if you listen to those cravings, like I'm just going to eat whatever my body's telling me to eat, those are the factory foods that make, you know, are designed to make you crave more and more. They have just the perfect amount of sugar and salt and seed oils that keeps you coming back for more of that, that bliss point that those food manufacturers work on. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're, that's another great point that you bring up. If we were only eating whole natural foods, I think we could trust our intuitive eating a lot more so than we do, but because those factory made foods, like you said, just hijack the system and bypass all of those hormonal signals that we would get from natural foods saying, Hey, I'm full, stop eating turn that hormone, that hunger hormone off. You just don't get that from factory made foods. So, um, intuitive eating, like I said, just becomes really tricky. And I think it's, especially in social media, it's a, it's a really hot topic. And, um, you know, there's this, there's a lot of dietitians who are very split on this concept. Um, because like I said, I, I, I want nothing more for people to be able to in to eat intuitively and not think about food all the time. But if your systems are hijacked and your hormones are hijacked, then you need to fix those and able to enable to be do that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So I would love to know for you, as you were creating your content for fast to heal, um, achieving nutritional peace, like all the things you were putting together in your program, what, what successes you were noticing with that program and what things also, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but what things also did you realize you needed to maybe go back and highlight a little bit more and create a new program around? Yeah. So I, the finding nutritional piece is the, the high level online program that I have, and that's six learning modules and 32 recorded lessons. So that is like a ton of information, wow. anything you want to know about fasting and integrating fasting and timed eating and the nutritional aspect. And we talk about sleep and stress because those come into play with um, long-term success. And we talk about lots of strategies to break through weight stalls. <clears throat> and if you're feeling like you're, you know, not achieving the health that you want, there's also a, an optional option of group coaching along with that program. That's a year long. So it's an, another whole year of support. Um, and people were doing very well with that. A lot of it is the support network. And then they were learning a ton of fasting strategies. And then they learned about the nutrition 
part of it too. Um, but there are a lot of people who, who didn't want to do that whole big program. And so that's why I developed the mealtime mastery. Um, so if people were, had a pretty good handle on fasting already, and they really just wanted more of the nutrition, then they could go and, and enroll in mealtime mastery, do it on their own time, do it at their own pace. It's lifetime access. So they have it all, you know, a lot of time their whole life as, as long as um, they want to log in. There's lots of PDFs, um, downloads for meal, meal planning and grocery shopping and all kinds of things in there that are all nutrition focused. So for that program, you kind of, I, I kind of um, assume that's the word I'm looking for. I assume people have a basic understanding of intermittent fasting and timed eating, time restricted eating, whatever you want to call it. And they just need more help with the nutrition. So that's why I put that program together. And then um, I wanted to have a resource for them. You know, I suggest in mealtime meal mastery, like I'm not impartial for, for people to just make my recipes. Like <laughs> I realized there's a huge and enormous, you know, you can pull off, you can pull a recipe every day off the internet and not even, you know, hit, hit the tip of the iceberg with it. So I do have a lot um, of other recommendations within the course of um, good low carb websites that I use for my meal planning um, along with the recipe book, because um, I feel like, you know, I would say 95%, probably 90 to 95% of my students and followers are female and not always are they doing the meal planning, but in, I think it's more common for that to fall on the females of the household. Um, so that's why I wanted to make sure that there was some, a lot of resources available to them as well, because a lot of times people know, or they have some a good idea. They just don't know where to start and they don't know where to look. And, um, you know, and a lot of times people might need like 10 little roadblocks where they're really feeling overwhelmed where the next person's like one roadblock will just kind of set them off task. So I wanted to make sure everything was there so that there were no roadblocks. Ah, that's great. I love that. And that's a really valid point. Whenever somebody's starting something new, you know, they're talking about fasting, so they know they should be eating less or eating less frequently. It, it, it can be really difficult and confusing. Like, do they go back to eating the same foods they were eating before? Or how do they change that? Where do they get that good information? So I'm glad, I'm really glad that you addressed it. Um, I'm just curious, what are some of the guiding principles you put behind the, you know, mealtime mastery as far as when you are eating, when you're outside of your fasting window, what types of principles should people be thinking about as far as constructing meals? And I, I think I'm going to throw another part of this question on. I think it's really important that you said that you deal a lot with women and just by the nature of it, more women than not are doing the meal planning for their houses. And that comes with its own challenges. You know, maybe the husband's not going to eat the same. Maybe little Johnny doesn't like what, you know, she's putting on the table. How, how can whoever's doing the meal planning be able to adjust for those things without making it overly complicated? Right. I know. And it is, it's like, you, you want it to be easy, but <laughs> in more circumstances, it's not more circumstances than not. It's, it's more difficult. Um, so yeah, so there's five learning lessons inside mealtime mastery. And the first one is all about preparing your eating environment. Like we don't even talk a whole lot about actual foods, but how to prepare your eating environment, your pantry, your refrigerator, <clears throat> how to actually sit down and enjoy your meals. <laughs> 
and chew your food and all of those things that a lot of people don't think about, but those definitely play a role in your long-term success and, and how things are going to play out in the long run. So we talk about preparing that environment first before we even talk about the foods. And this can be more challenging for people than you would expect it to be because they don't, they're not having a lot of time to eat. Um, they've never been taught to sit down and chew food and, um, you know, how to put their pantry together, how to put their refrigerator together. Um, so that's lesson number one. And then in the second lesson, we really go into the different types of food. So we look at each of the macronutrients um, in that learning lesson. And so I don't have people count a lot of things. I, I don't ever do calorie counting, but I do help them find their personal level of therapeutic carb restriction. Um, and I have a carb quiz on my website. If you go to, um, fasttoheal.info backslash carb quiz, that I put together myself and it actually took me days to, to compile. Um, and it's just seven questions that you, it, it looks at your family history. It looks at your, um, your activity level. It looks at your own family history and you answer seven questions and it will give you a recommendation for carb guidelines based on your answer. And then it gives you, there's a couple of follow-up emails where you get more instruction on carbohydrates um, because bringing those down into a therapeutic level is very important for a lot of people's healing. So we look at carbohydrates and then, um, so that's the one thing that I do have people monitor and pay attention to. And then we talk about healthy fats and prioritizing proteins, you know, making sure you have a protein in each meal and then falling into that therapeutic carb restriction level, whatever is recommended for you. And then the fat just kind of works itself out. Um, so I don't like to give people a lot of counting and, <laughs> you know, I, I think that gets really old, but they do need to make sure they have protein at every meal um, so that they're full for many hours and then really just bringing the carbohydrate levels down um, into that therapeutic range. So that's the second learning lesson. And then in the, the last three, we talk about getting beyond, you know, conquering any cravings that you're dealing with, um, moving beyond binging. So a lot of people have trouble binging when they're, especially when they're first starting fasting. I feel like once you're months in, binging isn't that big of a problem, but in the early parts when your hunger and satiety hormones aren't really working all that well, binging can be a problem. And then we talk about long-term approaches to um, being successful in the long-term in that fifth and final lesson. So you can get through the lessons within a two to three hours, um, but then implementation, you know, that takes a little bit more strategy. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I love that. Um, I want to go back to the very first one. I think that is very, very interesting that a lot of people miss. I don't know the name of the 
damn show that my wife has got me totally hooked on on Netflix. <laughs> it's the two ladies that travel around and overhaul whatever space you have and organize containers and all kinds okay. of, yeah, whatever it is. I'm totally, I'm pumped. not sure what it is, but it sounds interesting to me. It's, it's just <laughs> Netflix, Netflix binge worthy. You mentioned binging. This is your binging for TV. Um, and, and you know, one of the episodes they did was about food and they went into a, a pantry and the guy had lost a tremendous amount of weight and the kids were not interested in eating the food that he wanted to eat. And so they had to set up the pantry to be like, okay, kids can find their snacks here, but they're mostly hidden from the guy who wants to eat this way. He's going to go to this area of the pantry to find his food. And so I'm, I'm just curious if any of that stuff kind of made your way into how do you set up a kitchen and a pantry and a, a refrigerator? Most of my stuff just randomly goes into a certain spot and, and I don't really give it much thought. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And I don't, um, I don't have like different sections broken down. It's more so like, you know, if, if you're going grocery shopping and you are going to get some canned foods, like these are the ones to focus on. This is the frozen, you know, the more of the frozen stuff to focus on. These are, this is the produce to look for, um, just so they can set themselves up. But yeah, I'd be interested to see if, where you actually put everything. And I would imagine, you know, whatever you're looking at at eye level right in front of you is what you're going to be drawn to more. And we tend to stick the stuff that we don't eat very often, like up high or down low, and it just doesn't get eaten. Um, but yeah, so that's more of what I focus on with, with just getting your environment ready. So you want to be ready for success. You don't, you it, in if you have a hard day or you're feeling like you want to binge, you don't want to be able to go and, and, you know, kind of undo everything that you did because you haven't set your environment up successfully. Yeah, no, I, um, I love yeah, that. That'd be interesting to look at. <laughs> <laughs> when you're done with Shit's Creek, when you're done with a Formula One documentary, which is amazing, <laughs> that's another one to add. Um, yeah, it, it, it reminds me a lot of like the James Clear kind of stuff from Atomic Habits, where it's like, if you want something to be, you know, a bad habit, you want it to go away, you need to make it very difficult or inconvenient for yourself. Like maybe putting the candy up high or better yet, like not bringing it in the house. I was able to help my, you know, 85 year old grandma with, you know, being type two pre pre type two diabetic because she, she can't avoid candy. Like she, she does not have the ability whatsoever to say no to candy. It was just the generation she was brought up in being really poor. They weren't around it. So when you get it, it's incredible. And so when she stopped buying it and bringing it in the house, she lost all kinds of weight and she's as healthy as she's been in a long time. And so just understanding some of those little things and how we can kind of get in our way and learning how to work around them and make the, you know, the, the enticing traps you, like you mentioned on like a busy work day or something less convenient. Um, I'm really glad that you talked talked about the different macronutrients and the things that we should be having, you know, the amount of carbohydrate, how to get enough protein and getting it in every day, um, you know, letting fat kind of fall to where it needs to fall so that people are satisfied. And it really reminds me something in your book, um, that you really talk about, which is like, why is it so important to be able to go long periods of time while still feeling nourished? Yeah, I know. And that's, that again, comes back to, as you start to implement the intermittent fasting, those hunger and satiety cues start to work themselves out because what happens when you have high levels of insulin and you're insulin resistant, there are two other hunger and fullness hormones that are kind of counter to each other called leptin and ghrelin. And ghrelin is basically that hunger hormone that tells you you're hungry and it is signaled by a couple of things, by hormonal levels, by insulin levels, by you know, stomach stretching or, or not stretching. Um, but that, but ghrelin, 
when you have insulin resistance and insulin is high all the time, that level of that hormone is basically like blocked by the brain so that your brain is never really told that you're full. It just has to do with that insulin sensitivity. And then the hormone counter to that is leptin and leptin, when leptin levels are high, your body doesn't have the cravings and the hunger. Um, and again, some of that has to do with stomach stretching and the levels of glucose in the bloodstream and the, in the insulin. And, and it's not even actually fully understood at this point. And when I was just coming into the field of dietetics, leptin and ghrelin were kind of newer hormones that weren't, hadn't even been discovered until about 20 years ago. Um, but we do know that with insulin resistance, ghrelin tends to stay higher, even though you have plenty of energy, even though you have plenty of fat storage, um, but you're just hungry a lot, even though you don't need the, the calories and leptin is suppressed. And that's not good. That means you're going to be hungry instead of full. Um, so just reversing that, reversing the insulin resistance, working on being able to burn body fat and not just always glucose. It takes a long time, but the macronutrients play a huge role in that. So making sure you have some sort of protein on your plate every single time that you eat. And I prefer animal protein. It's just like well-sourced animal protein. It's just a lot more readily absorbed and broke down and the cells can utilize it better than plant-based protein. I'm not against plants. You know, I'm not one of those people who say, you know, I, I think that there's a, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I think there's a time and place for a carnivore diet and it's very healing, but I'm not one of these people who say, you know, you have to eat this food all the time and you can never eat this food because everybody works a little bit differently. Um, you know, and, and some people thrive with more plants than others do, but I do believe that animal protein is um, healthier for the human body when it comes to building and repairing. And um, so I always suggest, you know, some sort of, of animal protein. And sometimes I get people to ask me like if I'm vegetarian or vegan, you know, I might have some listeners think thinking this right now, like, can I do your programs? Can I work with you? Um, and yes, usually vegetarians, if they can incorporate eggs, at least I'm like, okay, at least we have eggs or can tolerate some dairy. Usually you can do well. Um, but I, I will say like, I think, um, vegans are going to have a hard time following the map methods that I teach, um, because I just think it's really tough to get, like I suggest a gram of protein per lean per one gram of protein for every pound of lean body weight is what I suggest. So for most women, that's like 100 to 150 grams, some somewhere in there. And it's going to be really tough to get from plants alone. Um, <clears throat> but, but that is the most satiating macronutrient. So if you're getting enough protein, usually, and then along with some natural fat and maybe a little bit of carbohydrate with fiber, you have no trouble going. You should be able to go to five to six hours without eating. No problem. If you've balanced your meals correctly and you've slept well and you're not really high, you know, have a, a super high stress level. Um, if you can't go more than two, three hours, four hours, even without thinking about food and without eating, then we, there's usually some 
hormone correction that needs to happen there. So hopefully I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good point. I, I kind of think the same way about, you know, somebody who would come to me being a vegetarian or a vegan, and it's not like I don't want to help you because I do. I would just tell you, like, you're, you've got the wrong guy. Like, I don't know how to do this. I could try. I know what my nutrition textbook back here tells me to say, and I've done it and, and it hasn't worked for a lot of people. And so it, it, it's like being a, a Ford salesman when somebody wants to buy a Chevy, like you're, you're at the wrong dealership. We, I, I don't know how to make that work for you. You need to go to the, the other dealership and you'll sort it out. Um, and, and, you know, my wife and I will try to go at least once a month to, um, a Brazilian steakhouse nearby and they just cringe when they see us coming because they know like they're not making any money off of us. We're eating pretty much all the protein, all the red meat, you know, we're not at the salad bar the way most people are filling up. And it's cool to see her not really fear red meat and fear animal proteins, but for women in general, I think that's a huge problem. How do you help educate women, especially around that? Because I think there's such a fear of like, what are people going to think of me if I'm not not just eating this chicken breast over a big plate of kale at a restaurant. It's tough. It's tough. And, and it took me years to come to terms with, I needed to eat more protein. And I remember like when I still lived at my parents' house, my mom was a nurse and, you know, by no means was she, you know, hugely educated in the area of in nutrition. But I, I remember her saying to me multiple times, like, Shanna, where's your protein? you aren't eating enough protein. Like all you're eating is plant foods and low fat dressings and, you know, stuff that's, that's not going to keep you full, but yeah, women, especially when I educate them on how much protein they should have, their jaws drop. And it's tough too with intermittent fasting. If you're doing one or two meals a day, it's then you really need to take a hard look at your macronutrients and make sure you're getting enough protein in. And I, for so many years, ate no red meat, even though I loved it. Like I love hamburger and I love steak, but I felt guilty eating it. So I'd eat my chicken breast, just like you were told, or my ground Turkey. And I still like those, those meats, but I love, like we have tons of game meats and venison and elk and beef and even some lamb here and there, um, pork chops. Like we eat it, we eat it all at our house. Um, but it is, I, I love that analogy with the cars. <laughs> like I can work with you. And, and I think sometimes people like you and I, like we want to help everybody, but at the same time, and, um, you know, I always get a little bit, a little bit sad too. When I see women say, I, I, I won't eat at red meat. I won't eat this meat or that meat, um, because that's just been how they've been brought up. So it took me years. Like I remember eating a hamburger for the first time and it was probably 10 or 15 years because I just wouldn't allow myself to, because I thought that that was unhealthy. Um, so it, it's really tough. And sometimes you need work to, to do some work and maybe even some therapy above and beyond what I would be able to offer. Um, because a lot of times it's just a fear because we've been misled. Um, and, and that can be really hard, but yeah, the best thing I can do is, is educate women tried, you know, just have them slowly bring it in, see how they feel. And most women are astounded. Like, wow, I really am full. <laughs> like I really, Full. And I suggest around 50 grams of protein per meal, 40 to 50, depending on how many meals you're eating throughout the day. So what I've started to do on my Instagram account is just 
post what that looks like. Like, okay. People like, well, I don't have any idea what 50 grams of protein would look like. Um, so in my stories, I try to put a meal, like this is what 50 grams would look like. And that that's been helpful to people. Yeah, it's definitely helpful. I told you last time we talked that I still hardly know how Instagram works, but I do know enough (laughs) about it to follow you and seeing that is really helpful. And and it's true. Like people need that visual to be able to show them like, this isn't, this isn't like, you know, a four ounce, you know, sirloin or something like you need, you need to see what this looks like and, and be okay with eating that much. And from the stories I've heard, I'm sure yours is very similar. Like the first bite of red meat after several years of not having it, it's almost like the heavens part and the choir starts yeah. singing and like the heavenly visions start or something like it's, it's your brain just turns on and is totally revved up. Unlike it's been in several years. Was that the case for you? Yeah. And another time the, where I did allow myself to eat red meat. And I remember like every time I'd go to a restaurant, I would order a steak was when I was pregnant. And in my head, I just allowed myself like, Oh, I'm pregnant. I'm growing a baby. I need more protein. I need more iron. I'll just let myself eat steak. But Holy man, like I I craved red, like steak. And there's a reason for that. Like if you're craving meat and steak (laughs) that you're probably very iron depleted. Um, so you need to listen to your body. And I think too, when people really don't like foods, especially, (laughs) um, certain vegetables, like I've never liked tomatoes, like raw tomatoes gross me out. And I've tried to make myself eat them because I was told that they're good for you, but I probably don't tolerate them well. And that's just my body saying, don't eat the freaking tomatoes. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to have a good reaction because tomatoes actually are a pretty high inflammatory food for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I, I remember craving those steaks and allowing myself to eat it, but then being stupid enough after my babies to not eat much red meat for probably, Oh, it was probably another five years after my youngest was born before I really embraced meat. And of course you and I would agree, like you want to look for the best source, the highest quality, we're not saying like we believe in factory farming and, and the mistreatment of animals or any of that. Um, that's not anything you and I would support, but I think a lot of people run into problems of being malnourished and being hungry and, and, um, just because they're not getting the protein in that they need. Yeah, totally agree. I do want to talk about the binging issue because this is interesting. I I like the concept of fasting and then feasting. So, you know, not having food for a while. And then when you have food, like at least eat enough to be really satiated and become like uninterested in food again. Um, and so, you know, that can, for some people, I guess, you know, look like binging. And so how is feasting or getting really satiated with you, with your food different than binging? Right. And some, sometimes there is an overlap with that. It's like, am I feasting? Am I binging? Which one do we want to call it? Um, so, and I think sometimes people, when you say, oh, we, the, we have, we have fasting we have feasting, like feasting, gives them the green light to eat whatever. And, you know, throughout that whole eating window. Um, so what I try to educate people on is when you, when you're very first starting out with a lifestyle of intermittent fasting, you probably will want to binge because those hunger and satiety and hormones are still not right. So it takes some time to really adjust. So I'm not a huge proponent of you have to wait till noon to eat. You have, you have to close your window right at 5 PM. Like I, once you get into 
um, you know, further into timed eating and fasting and balancing your meals, this all works itself out. And you can say like, oh, I'm really, really hungry. It's only 11. I'm going to eat now because my body's telling me like I should eat. Um, and then maybe it's four or five o'clock and you are not the least bit hungry. So let's just not eat dinner tonight. Like it's not a big deal. And you don't eat until the next day, but it takes a while to get there. And it probably took me a good six months to get to that place. And so when people are first starting out, I do encourage them to have more of that timed window. Like let's make your eating window 12 to six or 10 to six because they don't have the, the cues and the healthy hormone balance in order to trust that they're truly hungry or truly full. Um, so we kind of work our way into that for sure. And then, so the, the second part of that is, um, people may overeat for a while when they open their window and that's okay. Like they might eat too quick, too quickly. And they might say, Oh my gosh, like I ate way too much. That's really normal at the beginning. It takes some time to really learn and let the insulin level come down, let the ghrelin and leptin start to correct themselves again. The other hormone that comes into play is glucagon, which is counter to insulin. So as insulin falls, glucagon rises. And for a lot of people who eat all the time, they never have high levels of glucagon. And what that does is that hormone tells your body to break down stored energy, which is what you want when you have too much fat and, and your insulin is high. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a difference between binging and eating disorder versus fasting and feasting. Fasting and feasting is, is a set time that you're either eating or not eating where, um, eating disordered thoughts are more feeling guilty about eating behaviors or, you know, not allowing yourself to do or eat certain things where, um, fasting is very, very different. It's just more of a time. you know, when you're going to be eating again, you're, you, you have that relationship with food, you know how to balance things. Um, but sometimes there's definitely some overlap and <clears throat> I never encourage people to start intermittent fasting or fasting when they have an active eating disorder, because they usually need to do some work, um, with a therapist and overcome those eating addiction and, and have a healthier relationship with food before they add the intermittent fasting in because they can just take it to an extreme in an unhealthy way. Um, so, so yeah, there's that, that's a small subset of people who may not do well with yeah. intermittent fasting. Gotcha. So it's good that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's a really important point to make. If anybody's ever done a personal training session with me, they will accuse me of not being able to count to 12 accurately, which is debatable, <laughs> maybe true, maybe not. Um, they also know that I love talking about nutrition, which is really just mostly like a way for me to backdoor talk about food. I love talking about food. Um, and so I've restrained myself up until this point. Now I want to talk about food and the recipes that you included in your book. Tell us about um, what that process was like. You said it was something you've always wanted to do and you wanted to compile compile into one. So so what did that look like? How, how were you able to pull all that together? Yeah, when I first put my website together, um, almost two years ago, I started putting out like a weekly recipe, like a fast, I call them fast to heal recipe. And I would just put one out a week to give people ideas. And I put those on my website and I did that for a long time. And then, um, I just felt like I, I didn't have a, they weren't organized and compiled in the way that I wanted them. So even though they're on my website, people are still needing 
to search and they weren't in a great order. <laughs> so um, what I did was I I put my own recipe book together and it's it's a digital download. It's not an actual printed book because anybody who has tried to make a cookbook or recipe book knows um, the printing and the, you know, and color is crazy. Um, and that would have been a way longer process. So it's a digital download, but there's five sections in there. There's um, quick lunches. I don't, I put all the breakfast, you know, the, the, the foods that people would imagine as breakfast foods under quick lunches. Um, because in my world, a lot of people aren't eating until later. So we have quick lunch ideas. There's lunch and dinner ideas. There are um, sweet treats, like low-carb sweet treats. So I'm not a purist. I do use stevia and erythritol and monk fruit on occasion. I try to stay away from actual sugar. Um, so those are in there, kind of modifications. And then there's an appetizer and side dish section. And then the last section is dressings and dips because... I struggle with finding a good dressing, like salad dressing for salads in the grocery store that has clean ingredients. And um, so I have a bunch of dressing recipes in there as well. Um, and so with those five sections all together, there's 85 recipes and you, they fall like you could use these recipes if you're following low carb, keto, paleo, they will work for all of those. Um, but I should mention also, I'm a mom of three. <laughs> I run my own business. I do pretty much all our meal prep and grocery shopping. Usually I order my groceries because that's just time saved. Smart. Um, but I am not one of these people who wants to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I, I just, I don't have the time and I don't, it's, even though I love good whole food, healthy food, that's what, you know, that that's whole and nutritious. I don't love to spend a lot of time making it, which is why I always order salads when I go out to eat because I, it, <laughs> it's a lot easier to order them than to make them. Um, but most of the recipes will take 30 minutes or less to prepare with simple ingredients. I try to keep things as simple as possible. So when I'm teaching my students, like, let's just focus on a meat, a fat and a couple veggies. Like, let's keep it that simple. That's what a lot of those recipes will center around. They're not like two, three course meals that are going to take you an hour or two <laughs> to prepare. Um, so there's something, there's a little bit of something for everybody in there, but I tried to keep them as clean as possible without being, like I said, a purist where, you know, you absolutely can't have any of, of the sweeteners, the alternative sweeteners or that in there. So um, <clears throat> that's how it was compiled. And, nice. and that's, that's how it came to be. Yeah, very practical and pragmatic. I really love that. I told people for years and years that I love to cook. I don't mind going to the store and buying different ingredients. I love all these recipes that are exotic and have different ingredients. And my spice counter was full of all kinds of different spices. And over the years, I've really realized like I do like to cook, but I don't like to spend a lot of hours cooking every single day the way that I was. I'd rather cook, eat my food, clean it up, and go enjoy a sunset or walk or something, time with my wife, whatever. It's so much better to do 
that. And so I really appreciate the simplicity and the time factor I think is so important with all of us. We have, it seems like way less time than we used to. Um, you did mention your three kids. I'm not going to ask you to rank your three kids from your least favorite to your most favorite, but I am going to ask you to rank your three favorite recipes in the book in ascending order. So your third, your second, and your very top favorite recipe that you would just not be very happy without. Oh gosh, I should have prepared for this ahead of time. Um, so yeah, I, I always tell my kids I don't play favorites, but I will say my older two eat probably the, you know, anything in that recipe book. They will eat it. <laughs> awesome. And they're very excited about like, you know, what's for dinner? And they get really excited about good food. Where my youngest, we're still working on him. <laughs> <laughs> He would eat junky food and, you know, I have one bag of corn chips in the pantry and that's what he goes for us, but he's, we're working on it. Um, there is like, um, an alternative, um, French toast recipe in there. That is definitely one of my favorite that goes in a loaf pan and it's used with eggs and cream cheese. And you would think, you wouldn't think that it would come out in butter. I think you wouldn't think that it would come out as well as it does, but it's so filling. I usually eat half the recipe in a sitting awesome. <laughs> um, for, for a meal and then have some leftovers, but, and it's so easy. It, it whips up in a couple of minutes and then you just, it does have some baking time. I think it's 30 to 40 minutes to bake, um, but it's, it's easy and it. The leftovers work really well. <clears throat> then there's a ranch dressing recipe. Like I'm a huge rest ranch dressing girl. Like I love ranch dressing. And so I wanted to make sure there was a few of those in there. Uh, but there's one that that's like sour cream and mayo based. That's really good. And it's easy to whip up, you know, cause sometimes ranch recipes, it's like you're dealing with raw eggs and, and um, you know, it's, it's a little more involved, but this one is really easy. Um, and then I do have um, an, a copycat um, Zupa Toscana soup that I, I love like that is something that I could eat weekly in the winter months. Um, those are three off the top of my head that I know we love and I get really good feedback from other people with those too. So yeah, just easy things that, that whip up really quickly. I love that. Yeah. The easy part, again, just to reiterate, like one of my favorite parts about going low carb and in, integrating more fasting into my life is just how your taste buds really change. And you really can appreciate very simple tastes and flavors and things like salt can just be all you need, or, you know, it, it, it makes it so much easier to deal with less ingredients and make really tasty food that you really appreciate. And you appreciate that nourishment that you get from it. It's not an event. It just is what gives you your life and gives you all the energy to go out and serve and, and do all the things in life that, that give your life meaning. So I really do appreciate that. I don't suppose that this will be the end of all your content. I figure you'll probably be <laughs> busy in the future. Do you know what that looks like yet? Um, creating new things, or is it mostly just enjoying what you've done so far? No, I, I, um, I do have, you know, the, the two main courses. I also have a jump start, which is, um, a 10 day jump start, and that is priced for anybody to do. And that's really just getting you into my world and my teachings. So that's a, um, 10 day task calendar with a daily email and video that, explains why I'm having you do these 10 tasks and just gets you ready for lower carb eating, going long periods of time without eating and really just starting that healing journey. So that's available on my website as well. 
Um, and then my late, my latest project, then I'm hoping to stop for a while and just really focus on what I have, but I am putting together a membership program right now <clears throat> because a lot of people go through the programs, um, and they just really want some touches with me and some, some time with me for follow-up. And I like that too, because the negative of the online world and the online courses is you can reach a lot of people, but you don't always know how they're implementing things and and how they're doing long term because you just they're not coming into your office, they're not there in front of you. Um, so <clears throat> the membership program will be like a monthly mini lesson and a Q and A session, but I'll also offer some office hours every month where people can just come in and, um, you know, bounce ideas off or struggles or whatever it is on a monthly basis. And I know I'm going to be putting some extra recipes in on a monthly basis because people can never have enough (laughs) ideas when it comes to recipes. Um, and then still working on what else I, I might add into that, but hoping that that is ready. Um, not sure when this is airing, but like May, May of 2022, mid to late May. Nice. Um, and then kind of kicking back a little bit over the summer months. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll believe it when we see it. Yeah, my kids are home. I want to enjoy them. And, you know, you can hear my frisky dogs in the back. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot going on in our house all the time. Yeah, so. that's great. Well, I absolutely love that. And I think the membership program is really important. I think you understand what it's like, how, how meaningful it is to work with somebody that's really intimate. You're changing food with them. That's a really serious and emotionally charged thing. And you, you develop these really close relationships with people. And if you do it right, you should get fired at some point because they can go off right. on their own. And that's a really good thing. But then you miss that kind of connection. So to have a way to stay in touch with people to, you know, share things that you've learned. It's not like you you put out this content and everything's done and sorted out. You're always learning and progressing and coming up with new recipes and different ways to do things. And so to have that kind of a low cost of entry um, to eliminate that barrier to, to, to continue with some help, I think is really important. And I really love that you've done that. This has been such a fun conversation. Again, really love talking to you. Where can people go to connect with you and find you and your work? Yeah, the best place to find everything that we've talked about is on my website, which is fastaheal.info. And then Mealtime Mastery can be found under resources or the work with me section, or you can go directly to um, fastaheal.info backslash Mealtime Mastery. The jumpstart is fastaheal.info backslash jumpstart. And then I do have some free guides that really just get people going in the right direction. And those are at fastaheal.info backslash free guides. But all of that can be found just by going to fastaheal.info. I also have a free masterclass on there, just again, to get you pointed in the right direction. So you can learn a little bit about me. I know it's hard to invest in programs when you're like, I don't, this is the first time I've heard your work. I don't really know what you're all about. Um, I also have a podcast called Fast to Heal Stories. And just listening to those episodes can teach you a ton. So I'd encourage you to go and listen to that. Um, trying to think if I'm missing anything. Oh, and then I'm I'm pretty like we were talking. I'm 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 pretty um I I am on Instagram um daily and I post a lot of what I eat and strategies 
to implement little tips, what's going on at the podcast, anything that I'm promoting or teaching is, um, is actively on Instagram and my handle is my name. So at shanna.hussen.rdn. That's awesome. We will link to all of that in the show notes. You do such a great job with your content, both on your website, offering all those different programs, offering so many free resources. That quiz is amazing. I took that the other day and was um, pretty pleased with my results. I tend to stay under what it recommended as far as carbohydrates. So I was happy about that. But all those resources are fantastic. And if nothing else, to follow you on Instagram and to be able to get those tips and tricks and everything you're putting out there is really, really helpful, as is your podcast, which, as you know, I'm a huge fan of and I absolutely love how you're able to capture some of the stories. And so, we will link to all that in notes, like I said. And thank you so very much for all of your hard work for never seemingly sleeping or resting and always creating something new um, and, and making I it a way. I that... do sleep. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good. It's just, it's practical and really helpful for people. And I really appreciate that approach. And so thank you so very much for everything you do. And thank you for taking time to be on our show again today. We really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Casey. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. It's really inspiring and amazing to see some of the reviews that we have been getting and also to receive so many messages and emails about how these episodes have improved our listeners' lives. And so thank you so very much. We are so happy to bring these episodes to you and provide them for free. And we really hope that they help you in your life. Uh, we have just passed two major milestones, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. And basically, we did both of these in pretty much the exact same day. We have just passed 100,000 downloads worldwide of Boundless Body Radio, and we have just launched our 250th episode, which is absolutely amazing. Like I said, I never imagined we could reach that many people. We always want to keep you updated on things that we're doing on our website. So if you go to myboundlessbody.com, you can always see what we're up to. This month, we have a link that you can go and schedule a functional movement screen, which we do virtually over Zoom. A functional movement screen is a series of seven different movements and three different clearing tests, which is designed to find weak links in the body, such as muscle imbalances and joint stability issues. It's a really great tool for discovering inefficient movement. And even if you're not experiencing pain in certain areas of your body, it's something that can prevent injury later on. Some muscles need to be stretched, some need to be strengthened, and we can help you create a plan around that so that you can stay healthy and continue to move well for the rest of your life. So again, you can go and schedule that at myboundlessbody.com. You will also see the other services that we offer. You can always schedule a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us to really chat about anything that you like. And remember, if you are enjoying Boundless Body Radio, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on Apple. It really helps get this passion project out to other people. And thank you again for tuning into Boundless Body Radio.